time this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us um, by your word, that we would hear from you, Lord, and that you would um, minister to us. I thank you for each person here, God, and that you would meet, meet us where we're at. Lord, each one of us. I also pray for those who are sick, Lord, as I know, you went through my house, gone through so many, uh, that you would heal them, that you touch their bodies, and that you would um, comfort them and um, just give them wisdom. And, and um, yeah, Lord, you bring them back to full health soon and help the rest of us not to get it, Lord. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, and stand with me if you would. As we read from the scriptures here, we're actually only doing a couple verses to the six through nine. So four verses. So verse six, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. All right, you may be seated. This will be our third week. Speaking to justification, uh, salvation by justification through faith, which is means that God saves us. He is the one that saves us, and it is by our faith, not anything that we can do. Of course, uh, the Galatian church had taken on a works-based mentality, and were, they were trying to get the Gentile uh, believers to take on Jewish customs, to be circumcised, and to bring the, the law back in. And Paul is saying, absolutely not. This cannot happen. And, and last week he says, oh, you foolish Galatians. Oh, you stupid Galatians. Who has tricked you? Who has bewitched you? Who on earth has been able to help me to understand how you've fallen so far? Like how on earth is this? And so then he starts speaking to uh, their experiences. And he's like, well, tell me about your experiences. When, when you received the Holy Spirit, right? That's a symbol of a believer. Was it by the works of the law or was it by faith? When you received, so he goes back to their experiences and um, kind of touches into that. Today, he's going to back up justification. Not an experiential thing is important. Our testimony is an experience of God's grace, right? We we all have a testimony that is an experience of Jesus meeting us where we're at. But experiences alone don't tell the whole story. They have to line up with Scripture, right? Because even if you're talking to people who are from even cults, they have experiences, they have feelings. We need it to line up with scripture. We need it to line up with truth. And so he's going to be going back in time to someone that they could all relate with. Some common ground. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Okay, right? This is a song you grew up listening to and singing in children's ministry, especially if you grew up in like the 80s and 90s, I think. I don't know, maybe even before that. 
But this is, uh, he's going to be speaking to Abraham and God's plan for salvation going way back. God's plan for it being justified by faith in trusting in the finished work of Christ way before he ever came. So there we go. All right. Uh, The message this morning has been titled, he has, or he is good and he has a plan. Something we need to remember about God. He's good and he has a plan. Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is a quote from Genesis 15 verse 6. And and this is where God has laid out his covenant with Abraham, right? He says, Abraham, here you go. I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to be an heir. You know, you're going to have... The, these all these descendants, you know, like the stars or like the sand. And, and Abraham is sitting there going like, I don't even have a kid. How can I have all these descendants? He's like, right now, like one of my servants is going to be the heir. Like, I don't have anything. Like, I don't see, I can't see it at all. Like, we can't have kids. It's not working, you know. Uh, but it was by faith he believed what God had promised to him. And uh, it was not an easy thing for him to believe. In light of his position, in light of everything that's going on, Abraham chooses to believe God. And that believing him, that faith in him is accounted to him as righteousness. It's the fact that he trusts God. And when you trust God, it means you know him, right? It means that you have a relationship with him. And, you know, so it's not, it's also important to see, it's not like he believes in God, because sometimes we think that's good enough. You're like, oh, they believe in God. Okay, well, maybe you should press a little further. Who is God? Oh, God is this tree. You go, oh, maybe that's a little different. Or I believe in, oh, I believe in God. I believe there's a man upstairs, you know, the big guy upstairs, you know, watching over everyone, you know, taking care of everything. Him, him and I are cool, you know, I'm doing my best. You know, I have good intentions, and somehow we think good intentions are enough, and they're not, right? <laughs> so there's different beliefs in, in God. Well, you know, Scripture clearly kind of breaks that down and says, um, the, you know, you say you believe in God, that's good, but so do the demons. And they actually tremble. So they're actually a, a level above you because they actually know he's powerful. You clearly don't understand that because it hasn't impacted your life at all, right? So, uh, believing, it's not just believing in God, it's believing God. Like, believing him at what he says. Uh, we get a, a glimpse in the life of Abraham, and, and we know he's in the hall of faith, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But a lot of times, Abraham's life looks anything but like a life of faith, Right? God has opened up this opportunity to him. He's like, I, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. I'm going to do all these things with you. He, you know, but Abraham takes things into his own hands quite often, right? He's, he goes and, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, shoot, my wife's beautiful. This is not good. Uh, let's see. Here's what we'll do. We'll say you're my sister so they don't kill me for you. And, and then so what ends up happening, he says, oh, yeah, this is my sister. And and. And then they come in, take his wife, and all of a sudden God speaks. Uh, no, that's not your wife. That's actually Abraham's wife. He's like, why didn't you tell me that, you, that this was your wife? And Abraham lacks faith, right? 
Then Sarah's like, you know what, Abraham, I know he told us that we're, you know, going to have all these descendants and, and that we're going to, you know, have, you're going to be, you know, this great father of all these nations and everyone's going to be blessed through you. You know what, this whole us having a kid thing just ain't working and I'm getting old. Why don't you take my servant and have a baby with her? Here we go again. Faith, not really. Let's see if I can help God out. Of course, uh, he does so. Um, and he's like, well, my wife told me to. Yeah, well, that's just not always the right thing to do, is it? So he goes and has a baby, and that baby is Ishmael. And God's like, that's not the one. <laughs> that's not the one I was talking about. Don't lose faith. Don't trust. I have something bigger for you. And so Abraham had to, had to fall on his face a few times. But as he grew, as he continued to see God being faithful, as he's made enough mistakes also to see that taking uh, your life into your own hands is problematic. We see him in a great moment of victory of faith as God asks him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac who was a type of one that was to come, which was, he's a type of Jesus, right? And so Abraham goes and, and he's going to sacrifice his son. And he's, he's literally going to do it. Because we'll see this a little bit later, but he's, he believes that, like, if I kill him, God's going to raise him from the dead. And, and he even says, like, Isaac's like, hey, dad, um, I see we're bringing all this wood up. I see we're going to do a sacrifice. I don't see an animal. What are we going to do, dad? What's going on? And he's like, okay, son, God will provide himself away. <laughs> he will take care of it. He will provide. I trust him. He's asking me to do something crazy, but I trust him more than I trust myself. Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him as righteousness. That It's important to understand that because they would have all these Jewish Judaizers would have all said, we need to be more like Abraham. And, and Paul would say, yes, you do. By faith. Justification comes by faith. He grew in that faith. And of course, you know, that's something we all have to work toward. Faith is not a work. It's a surrender. That's one of the hardest things to understand. Even when people are like praying for someone to heal, they're like, we just need to work up more faith. We need to gather more faith and we need to sweat some more into faith, you know? And you're like, that's not how it works. Faith is surrender to say, God, this is outside of me. I trust you. Here's my heart. I'm pouring it out before you, but I trust you. Even it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Even, even if you don't rescue us, even then, like even if he doesn't come through, he can, even if he doesn't, just know we're not bowing. We will continue to trust you. We will continue to follow you no matter what. So it's a surrender. It's that kind of faith that was essential. And that was, that was the basis of Christianity. That was the basis of the, of the Jewish people. Father Abraham, the first one that God made his covenant with. Verse 7, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Only those who are of faith. Uh, Paul's about to like uh, have a bunch of shocked and probably angry people on his hands with what he's about to say. He says, so just so you know, if you want to be of Abraham, if you want to be a descendant of Abraham, one who's under the covenant, one of God's chosen people, the only way to do that is of faith. 
it's not just a lineage. It's not just a heritage. The Jews loved their heritage. And why not? You can understand that. They're God's chosen people. Throughout history, they just have been redeemed one time after another. Saved, rescued. He has been for them. He's been with them. He's fought on their behalf. God has been so faithful, so they are so proud of their heritage. How many people in here are like, let's say, four things of, or less heritage-wise? You're not a full-blown mutt. You've got like, at least you can kind of track it, okay? How many people are four things or less? Is there anybody in here four things or less? You don't, if you don't know, then you're probably a mutt, okay? Um, four things or less. How many are like, you're one thing. You know, I'm just one kind of ethnicity, you know, whatever. You're from one country. Is there anybody here? No? Okay. All right. Cool. Good. I, I'm three things. Okay, and on one side of my family is my mom's side, and she's uh, Irish and she's German, and so it's very obvious. And they're they're like it's either my grandpa or my great grandparents are from those countries, and then on my dad's side it is Dutch, full on. And you might think, what what's Dutch? I don't really know. A very proud people group is what they are, and they're very tall. This is what you know about people who are from the Netherlands, right? Uh, and the Dutch are, they are so, so into being Dutch. I grew up in a Dutch church. My dad had, next to his NAAA stickers on his truck, he had, if it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. A sticker, literally. Of course, my mom's not Dutch. So that obviously caused some problems in the house. But no, not really. But, uh, but that is like, was there's such a, a pride to the heritage. And, and it's so funny when you're around people from different ones. I, you know, a friend who was Romanian and, and we, we, you know, we were talking about all the different things and, and there's so many similarities for whatever it is, your culture, it, it, they protect you, protect your heritage and you protect your, you know, whatever. And it's funny that a lot of times they claim things that aren't even theirs. You're like, that's not even Dutch. Like, you know, you can't say that, you know, that that belongs, to, you can't say that almonds belong to Dutch people. Everyone eats almonds, you know, or whatever. Uh, but there, there's all these different things that you can take in, and it's part of your lineage, it's part of your heritage, and it's really important to you. These things can uh, really pull you away, though. And, and even, we have to recognize it, even as, as those who are of the country of the United States. An amazing country, right? But we belong to heaven. That is the biggest thing for us. We belong to heaven. That is, that is it. And so for these Jews, they had like started to take on all of, they loved all of their heritage, but they'd forgotten what it was really even about. It's like, this is about God always. Cause there was Jews throughout history that forgot about God and it didn't go so well, did it? Many, many, many times. It's not just because of your last name or because where your family comes from that makes you who you are or what you are. But it, especially in, in light of this, it's, it's because of your relationship with God that this is my descendants. These are my descendants. These are the people who are of faith or, or are sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith, those who trust me, these are my people. Our hope is found in nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? Verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. God had a plan from the beginning. And it would be so easy not to notice that, right? 
And maybe they've even read that and they probably thought, oh, you know, all the nations will be blessed when the Jews take over the world. Then we will be all the nations and then it will all be blessed. They had no idea that it was going to be the wicked Gentiles, these heathen Gentiles that would be brought in as engrafted branches. The scripture foreseeing, there's something really cool about that too. The scripture foreseeing that the word of God is so powerful. Like there's so much to it. It's like there is so much beyond what we can see or think or understand. But as we search the scriptures, we find out more than, you know, we see more than we would ever imagine of God's plan for our lives and what he wants from us. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. So this is the gospel beforehand. Isn't that interesting? The gospel to Abraham saying in you, all the nations shall be blessed. It was a covenant of faith. And that covenant of faith had been opened up to the Gentiles through faith. All of us through faith. And this is good news because the works thing is not, doesn't work. None of us can be justified by works. It is all by his grace through faith. Trusting in him. Works makes us exhausted and it doesn't get us anywhere that we would possibly want to be. So what Paul's basically saying is that, that, that to the Gentiles, first of all, you're not second class citizens. You were thought of a long time ago. You are children of promise in your own right. And for those of us who are Gentiles, which is probably most of us, this is unbelievably good news. This is the gospel preached however many years ago. And, and we know that this didn't come to Abraham through the law because the law didn't come five till 500 years later, right? The law came to Moses. And it wasn't because Abraham was circumcised. He wasn't yet. That was going to be some 10 years plus later that that was brought into the equation, right? So it is purely a faith. You trust God. You believe God. You know that he's got you and you listen and obey to what he says because you know he's good when we know he's good we know he has a plan it's like what can go wrong we're in line with the creator of the universe but we're in grafted branches those gentiles paul speaks more about this in romans chapter 11 uh, verses 11 through 18 he says i say then have they stumbled that they should fall certainly not but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Jew, of the Jews. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I now speak uh, to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. <clears throat> if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, 
Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Paul's saying to the Gentiles, you have been brought in and engrafted as branches as a witness against those who are still relying in the works of the flesh. And he even says, like, to bring them to a place of jealousy so that they could come around and be saved themselves. But don't think for a second, as Gentiles, that you stand autonomously, just as the Jews. Because the root is what gives you the source. It's what gives you the life. So we find our, all of our sustenance, all of our hope, all of our gut, it's only found in the Lord. And for those who've kind of taken a you know, a second to walk away from that, and which we all have at one point or another, you recognize how lonely it is and how desperate it feels to be apart from the Lord, right? Verse 9, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. If we're of faith, we're blessed. If we are justified by our works, it doesn't matter. Our ethnicity, our heritage, None of that stuff matters. We all make decisions for ourselves before the Lord. You don't just get to come in. That's one of the hard things is for our children. They have to make this decision for themselves, right? Billy Graham's children have to make the same decision that some like terrorist or tyrant's children have to make. The same thing. Like there's no like, oh, I'm on the guest list. There's a plus one, right? I mean, it's Billy Graham for crying out loud. He's got to have some sort of a, you know, pull here, you know. I, I got to be able to bring at least a couple in with me, you know, I would think. No, but we're all called to deal with this our own personally before him. Those who are of faith are blessed. That's, that's the reality of it. Those who are of faith are blessed. If you're... If you're tired, if you're stressed out, if you're feeling crazy anxious about everything, if depression is overwhelming, I'm lying if I say that there isn't times that every believer is going to face some of that. That's just a fact of the matter. But if, if you are trying to combat all of that alone and you're not trusting in the promises of God, in the hope that is found in scriptures, if in the hope that is found in Christ, then you miss out on the blessing. You miss out on the peace, the hope, and the, uh, the grace and the mercy that we all absolutely need. We, this is a question we have to ask ourselves daily. Do we trust him for salvation? First through justification, and then it will naturally lead us to sanctification. Sanctification being uh, our faith that we say we, we have played out in real life. That's sanctification. Sanctification is messy, it's very difficult, and it's much easier uh, to have faith and trust. One of the things I know is easier to have faith and trust when we know that the person that is leading us or the one leading us has a plan. And we can see there has been a plan throughout eternity, throughout scripture, throughout the beginning of earth, (laughs) of the earth. From Adam and Eve till now, there has been a plan. You can read every book of the Bible. And if you did the reading plan this last year, you could see Christ in every single book of the Bible. It is all pointing to Jesus. 
It's not just the New Testament. The whole thing is pointing to the need for a Savior. All the sacrifices, all the prophecies, all the, the, the fall and, the, and the, just the pain and the suffering and the longing for more is all pointing to Christ. The whole of Scripture is a history of redemption. Getting our, our eyes on Him. Like we are all looking to Him. There's something in us that's, you know, is longing for reconciliation, longing for hope, longing for as we trust him and seek him to see him come through. I, I'm, I'm okay with a plan. I, when I know someone doesn't have a plan, I'm kind of like, time to go, you know, especially when things get a little rocky. You want an airplane pilot who is confident, you know, you don't want someone who's like, kind of like, I don't really know what to do. I was in a plane one time and we were flying into Oklahoma for my friend's wedding. And these pilots seemed a little scared. They just kind of, there was something about it that you could kind of tell they were up and down. We we're flying into through a thunderstorm, which is great already. You know, I've mentioned this before in a message and, and literally all of us are like trying not to throw up because it's, we're all bound together. I think everyone in the plane was holding hands, you know, at the time, like, please, this is the worst thing ever. And we'd heard the other flight that went to Tulsa, which was right by us. One person lost it and the whole plane lost it. So we were all hanging out together. Like, come on guys, we can do this. You know, like happy thoughts, like breathing. Cause the plane's like, you know, like, Oh, they're like, we think we're going to land. We'll see, you know, and you're kind of going down. You're like, uh, are we, what are we doing? There's no plan. You have no plan. And then they're like, uh, we're actually going to go to Kansas for a little bit. And you're like, I'm not going to Kansas. So I've seen Wichita. I'm okay with never seeing that again. Uh, <laughs> and we eventually made it in, but it's kind of like, that was so stressful, you know? I'm okay, though, when I know someone has a plan. I'm a big Dodgers fan. You guys know this already. And the leadership the Dodgers have right now is basically the opposite of the leadership they used to have. The, the leadership they used to have was very short-term thinking. And they just, they'd spend a bunch of money. And then they, but it was all to get more money. It was kind of like very bad planning, absolute lack of patience. And you'd sell the farm to go get one guy that was going to hamstring your team for like 20 years financially. The new ownership that they have is they are very, very good at uh, staying patient and not getting too in the moment. They, they think and they think and they think and they think and then they make a decision. And I just have, even though all of my Dodger fans, friends are disgruntled, like, how come they're not making the big move? How come they're not making the big move? Because you see a lot of the big moves have cost teams big time over time. And I just sit back and I go, I trust this leadership. I really believe that they know what they're doing. I believe that they are smart, and I believe that they've got something going on that I can't see on the surface right now. They have a plan. And all these reports, as the offseason was kind of the, you know, they would have the meet, winter meetings and the trade stuff. They, they, nothing was happening. And so there was all these grades on ESPN, offseason grades, Dodgers, terrible, did nothing to make themselves better. Absolutely awful. Their leadership is, and everybody's screaming, we want to get rid of this ownership. They're the worst thing ever. Never mind the fact, been to the World Series two of the last three years. We got to get rid of th this ownership. They're awful. This last week, the Dodgers 
crafted a deal for one of the very best players in baseball, Mookie Betts, and they didn't give up almost anything for it. Also, they got David Price. So they got these two really good players, and I saw it. This is so funny. This is how fickle we are as man. I saw an article this week, and it said the winners of this offseason, and the Dodgers were the winners of the whole league. One decision changed everything. One thing. And it was because this has been well-crafted throughout time. You don't fall in the ups and the downs. This is the thing. When we can trust God, we can see he has a plan. If he's had a plan throughout all of eternity to rescue us, to ransom us, and to give us hints along the way, one, he's extremely creative. I love that. That's beautiful. Right? Two, it means like he really cares and values us. Right? That's a big thing. So what does that make me do? It makes me want to trust him. So it's important for us to understand, as I said, he is good and he has a plan. So as I was thinking about this, this text, uh, a couple things came to mind. And these are ways to better trust that he is good and that he has a plan. These three ways. I know I've been doing the three thing, three or four or whatever. And I've been told it's easier to remember. And I also see you guys sometimes write it down. So I go, well, that must be working or doing something. So break down the text and then take some stuff home with you here. Three ways to better trust that he is, one, good. Two, that he has a plan. This is something we all need to hear, we all need to think about. One, recognize that there will always be reasons to rationalize not trusting him. There will always be reasons to rationalize in our heads why we should not trust his plan. It seems kind of insane to think that that we shouldn't trust the God who created the universe and whose idea it was to save us and who is holding everything together. That seems insane. But Adam and Eve were walking with God in the cool of the day and they rationalized not trusting him, didn't they? Right? Well, would you really die if you ate the fruit? Oh, I don't don't know. know, Well, I think he's just kind of trying to keep you back from seeing more. Maybe you have a better idea than he does. Abraham, again, speaking of Abraham, Sarah, right? With a compromise saying he's his, that he's his sister twice, right? And then also Ishmael. We see a, a, multiple times Abraham rationalized, you know what? God's just not coming through in this way. And maybe, maybe that old principle is true that comes from the good book, not the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and offer up a little bit of help here. And maybe I'll put obedience on the shelf and put a little bit of perspiration into the the equation. And God will bless that. There will always be reasons uh, that there will always be reasons in our head to rationalize not trusting God. That's, That's just like. So obvious, right? Uh, Hebrews verse 11, verses 17 through 19 says here, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him 
in a figurative sense. So Abraham, although at times had rationalized, he'd come to the point where he said, no more am I doing that. No more do I think that I know better than God. So even if God, how much harder is it to sacrifice your son versus say that this woman is your wife? That's not hard, you know? Like, sure, it could cause some issues, but if God's called you and says you're going to be this great patriarch of all these nations, then it means you probably won't die in Egypt, right? Or you probably won't die wherever you're at at the time. It means he's got you. And if he does, that was his plan. But to go around it is totally a mistake. So he sees, though, with Isaac, you know, I'm just going to trust the Lord no matter what, even though this makes absolutely no sense to me, I will trust him. And he even, to the point, believed that he could raise Isaac from the dead. Had that ever happened before at this point in history? He had no idea. I mean, who had ever been raised from the dead? I mean, I, I don't see it anywhere. So he sees, okay, even if, even if he has to raise him from the dead, God will provide a way. I believe him. I trust him. So the way to combat this is to take those rationalizations and call them what they are. I'm rationalizing. I'm not, I'm not being straightforward. I am taking this into my own hands. I am manipulating what God said, and I don't trust him. Just call it out. Call it like it is. And by the way, we all do it, right? We all do it. And every time we do it, there is a price to be paid. There was a price to be paid. The whole Ishmael story is pretty gnarly. And there's been lasting issues from that, by the way. Big time lasting issues. Taking things into your own hands. When we do that, think about your own life. When you've taken the reins and and you said, all right, God, I'm following you. Actually, you know what? This is taking longer than I thought. Let's go this way. He's like, oh, yikes. But he's able, even as we do that, he still redeems it. But there's some scars and there's some maybe missing a couple you know, digits here and there. Like, man, that wasn't exactly what I was hoping. Could have done better than that. So that's one. Recognize that there will always be reasons to rationalize not trusting God. Recognize that. Two, recognize that we are generally are more willing to trust those we have a relationship with. That's just, right? You, and, and as a kid, you're taught, don't take candy from strangers. You can take candy from your friends, you know, or your, you know, grandparents get a Werther's original or whatever, you know, butterscotch, rot your teeth out, but don't take candy from strangers. Don't talk to strangers. You know, like we're, we're taught very young and early to you trust the people that you know are trustworthy and you don't to the others. So, and, and we all live in this world, right? We should anyway, to a certain extent, Like you shouldn't trust people you don't know, right? Like, Oh, hey, just get me your social security and I'll hook you up. You know, it's like, um, no. It's like, that sounds like a bad st- If anyone asks for your social security number, don't give it to them, okay? Uh, unless you are like at a bank or something and it's an actual side note. But we're generally more willing to trust those we have a relationship with. So if you're finding it hard to trust God, maybe it's because we just don't know him as well as we thought we did. Because I'm convinced the more we know him, which is what Abraham experienced, the more he knew God, the more he was willing to trust him with even his very most valuable thing on earth, which was his son. Because he knew him. Because he knew he was faithful. 
And he knew he was trustworthy. We see this even in the lives of the apostles. Like they are less and less connected to their life the closer they get to God. Because they go, oh, I just know him. So it doesn't really matter. Like you can kill me. I know God. So I'm good. John 10 verses 11 through 16 says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. They will hear my voice. They will know me. I know them. They know me. The more you know him and and how do you know him? You spend time with him just like you know anyone, right? Get to know anyone. How do you know him? You spend time with him. You're in his word. You're praying. Like you have an active relationship with God. When you're worshiping, you're not just singing. You're singing praise to God, bringing it before the throne. As you know him and as he knows you and, and as you have this relationship with him, when he asks you to do something, you first of all, you understand his voice. And then second of all, you step out into that because you go, oh, I fully trust you. You know, I've used the example many times. My kids will jump off of a 10-foot wall into my arms. And you're like, please don't. Like, that's pretty far, you know. Like, I, I don't trust me like that. Why do you trust me like that? No, you know, of course I want them to trust me. But, you know, it's the same as we know. God's trustworthy, but they wouldn't do it for you guys, by the way. If they don't know who you are, they're like, you can't. I don't know if you will even catch me at all. Maybe some of you they would. But it's because they know you. They're like, you don't drop me. You love me. You're good. When you ask me to do something, only good things come from it. I rode yesterday. We rode mountain bikes yesterday, and uh, I took Hazel. She rides with me on my bike. We went up to the top this time, and I rode the gnarliest trail she's ever ridden on a bike. And she's like, whoa, 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 we. <laughs> it was three woes or two woes and a we is what I ended up getting out of her. And she's like, dad, slow down. Dad, dad, slow down. Dad, too fast. I said, slow down. And I'm like, just hold on. We got this. And she's, and so I did slow down a little bit, you know, but we're just like, and we come all the way down and she's like, woo, she's all happy. And then of course she has to brag for siblings that she went down fast, you know, but she was along for the ride. All she had to do was trust. I've got her. And it was really fun for her. Right. I was thinking, man, I wish I had this when I was a kid. She didn't, and and I, she doesn't have to climb the hills either. I did. I said, I wonder if I could climb that steep hill with your extra 30 pounds on the bike. And, and, and so we're climbing, and she's like, Dad, this isn't hard at all, is it, Dad? And I said, I can't. I said, I can't breathe right now. I can't talk because I'm trying to climb this. She's like, you can talk. Dad, Dad, you can talk. You can talk, right, Dad? You can talk. I'm like, no. She's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, I wish you could pedal a little so you can be, feel pain because I can't talk right now. So you get to the top and anyway, but it's like such a good image. It's like, man, this is what it's like abiding in him. 
We trust him. He takes us through stuff that kind of scares us. And we might go, "Ah." but at the end of the day, that's what you remember. That's what you talk about. That was scary, but oh, I want to do it again. And by the way, was I ever in danger? No, not really. I know you have me. You've got me. The more you know him, the more you trust him. Abraham had experienced God's faithfulness, which led him to believe in the impossible. I'm going to say this. As a Christian, God will ask you to do the impossible in your life. And it's not like raising someone from the dead necessarily. Or, or, you know, when I was a new believer, it was like, oh, I have the faith to move a mountain. Well, well, let's just try it. I'm sick of looking at that mountain. Go. Didn't work. Okay. It's not like God's going to ask you to do these specific things, but he will ask you to do something that's seemingly impossible in your mind. But that's because our minds are finite and we are linear. We can't see all of it. He can from the beginning to the end. This has all been set up. He has a plan. As we know him, we learn to trust him. As we trust him, our anxiety, our depression, our, all this stuff melts away. Because you go, let's break it down. Really, what's the reality of it? Sometimes the, your worst fears are the things you need to face the most. So what happens? What happens if... It all goes worse than I ever expected. What happens then? I go to heaven in the end. God is still faithful. He will not leave me or forsake me. I just need to stay close to him. And it might get rocky and it might get rough. And there's no promise for an easy life. That's fine. We're called to follow him and to enjoy the right. And then number three, recognize, the third thing, recognize that we are not in control and that's a good thing. It's a good thing you're not in control, right? It's actually good news. We rest knowing that God is is pulling off something beyond our creativity or beyond our understanding. You can rest in that. that He is doing something more than you could ever plan on your own. Proverbs 19, verse 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. We have lots of plans. We have lots of ideas, but God's plans are what we need to focus on. We need to trust him. He's good. He has a good plan. There's so many stresses. There's so many struggles in life. This is normal, but as we follow the Lord, he will continue to lead us as we trust him and we remember that he's good. You have to remember first that he's good. Because you're not going to put your trust in someone you don't think is good. But we recognize how good he is. That he's, he's always been with us. He's always been making a way to restore and to reckon us righteous. And to save us. Even when we didn't want to be saved. And that he has a plan. He cares about you. You matter. He has a plan for your life and mine. I find great encouragement by that. doesn't mean that the struggles and the storms aren't real. They are real. And they, they come and they're painful and they hurt. And, and mourning is part of the life of a believer in different seasons, 100%. But we don't give up faith in trusting God. You're doing something in this. And there's something in this that, that is, uh, I don't want to deal with. I don't want to go through. But you've got a plan in all of it. And you are going to work through all of it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your, your grace in our lives. We all need it. We thank you for your, um, 
just Lord for revealing to us how much you love us, how good you are, what a good shepherd you are that you were willing to lay down your life for your sheep. We're just so thankful, God, that we are free in you. Lord, that we have our our hope in you. God, we thank you for your uh, your 